Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Raj Chapalu. Raj, I think we had a relative dead zone in Lakers news for the last week up until three hours ago. So, <laughs> how have you been doing? I'm doing well. Um, I've been counting down on Twitter the days until the first preseason game, and people have been treating that as threats, like, you know, <laughs> like... Like I'm threatening them and I'm really not. I'm actually excited to see what this looks like, which is uh, not the uh, popular opinion out there. But I'm doing well. How are you, Sabrina? You know, I am also excited to see what this looks like, uh, if only so we can really confirm that things need to change. <laughs> um, I assume LeBron's mini camp is happening next weekend. So things are progressing pretty quickly. Um, Russell Westbrook is still a Laker despite reports of ongoing talks with the Utah Jazz. Raj, what, what do you think those talks consist of between Danny Ainge and Rob Valenko? I don't think they are going anywhere, honestly. I think they're super far apart. They're sitting on, like, you know those big king tables or, like, those tables? They're, like, on the opposite sides of those um, and trading ideas that will never really go to fruition. So I've accepted it. Question, Sabrina, did we have a LeBron minicamp the first year when he uh, – do you remember – why do you have a specific question about like what happened well, that year? Well, no, no, no. So, and there was one last year, right? There had to have been one. Yeah. Was there? yeah. Okay. So I think LeBron does mini camps if he respects the season. Like, honestly, like I, like, I don't, I don't believe he did it that first year with, with all the young guys. Cause I don't think he was like thought we were going to win at a pace that no, he would respect. I'm interested to see if he does one this season. Cause I think that will tell me a lot. So I was just wondering if you remember if there was one, the, uh, I think second year Lonzo, third year BI. I forget the exact years of all the young guys, but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if uh if he'll if he'll do one because it'll tell me a lot if he uh, respects the you know what this season could be. I mean, he held one last year. Okay. Uh, do you think LeBron's play over the 2021-22 season suggested that he respected the season? <laughs> I think he respected it early, like sure. the first the opening night, like he was serious. I think after a while, he kind of learned after the injuries piled up. Everything you know. turned when Carmelo Anthony pumped that free throw, pump fake that free throw on opening night. <laughs> Things were going so well before that. What's sad is like that game was like very positive. Like there was a lot of stuff to take if you just throw away the Jordan Poole attacking Carmelo Anthony 50 times. Like if you throw <laughs> that out. It was a fun game. Remember, it was like, yeah, imagine Trevor Reza, like, you know, would, was the savior. Um, we were Kendrick delusional. <laughs> Sabrina Kendrick, none was a game time decision. <laughs> I went back and like looked up stuff for that game. Kendrick, none was a game time decision. He was a game time decision in game one and proceeded yes. to not play through game 82. That's amazing. The majority of what I remember from that game, honestly, other than mm-hmm. the the mellow pump fake free throw sure. was that Avery Bradley got in at the end of the game and like Frank Vogel looked so happy to be able to play Avery Bradley at the end of the game. He was really good too. I like, want he Frank was... to be happy. I really do. <laughs> he was running all those actions, those dribble handoffs, you know, Avery Bradley, who I think like was out of the league until we just, we signed him on the waivers. He was um, on the golden state warriors training camp roster. It was a final decision between him and Gary Payton. The second, Right. Players wanted Avery Bradley and the front office was like, nah, we think Gary Payton's the guy. 
Isn't it yeah. nice when you let the front office do their job instead of players inserting themselves in all of the decision making? I know this is this is a quite a tangent here, but um, so the Warriors this offseason, they let GPT GP2 go, yeah. who just had a very similar Caruso type postseason. Right? Very much so. Very yes. extremely mm-hmm. similar. I see very little pushback for that. So I want to ask you, not that I'm saying they deserve it. They've done brilliant things sure. with that organization. But is it because, one, they won the title the year before? So we lost Caruso the year after we won the title. Correct. Is it also because they have young talent, like, in the waiting? Like, why is there no pushback for, like, they lost GP2 for money reasons. Like, let's be completely Entirely financial, it. yes. They could have signed him for the same amount, yes. Exactly. When they have a new arena printing money, when they have Steph mm-hmm. Curry still on the roster in his prime, they're still doing money costs, but I see very little pushback on the Warriors of, hey, like we're like people go into Genie Bus's pockets and luxury tax. And, you know, why are you not making money? Why do the Warriors get almost no pushback for that? I'm not saying it's a direct comparison. I'm just saying, like, I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, you know, hypocrisy there. I think like I think I think having just won the title is a big part of it. Okay. Uh, there is a lot of goodwill that sure. overwhelms the fact that they lost a role player. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, Caruso started the last game of the finals. Gary Payton missed 12 games in the middle of the playoffs. I don't know if it was 12, but it was like four weeks in the middle of the playoffs, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. So they got to see some of what Moses Moody did, right? Um, I think think there's an understanding that like Jordan Poole is going to have more minutes, you know, like there are other players who can fill that role. Mostly I think what it is, is that the Caruso decision was part of a pattern of behavior from the Lakers to save money. Whereas Golden State has paid a lot of money to keep their team together. And this was one decision that was maybe financially motivated, maybe motivated by the fact that Gary Payton is 29 years old and they didn't want to be paying him 10 million in his age 32 season for that third year deal. Sure. You know, okay. I I think, you know, if you were trying to build the best team possible and money was on an object, you would obviously re-sign Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. And money was clearly part of the reason why they didn't re-sign him. But provided that they, like, keep spending on, you know, Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green's extensions and Jordan Poole's extension, I just think that you can ignore a one-off. Okay. Whereas with the Lakers, I'm not sure it was a one-off. <laughs> Sure. I, I just like I remember the conversations around Gary Payton, right? It was he might be the best defender in the league. Guard defender. There are in the people league. in our Slack who say that that he is the best defender in the league. And he was a big part of like their culture this year, that year, right? Of creating that defensive culture and the lobs that he had was the, the connection he had with Steph Curry and the stars. Like that to me, like I think that is a loss. And I think they're gonna feel that this year, not as much. They're still extremely talented. But yeah, I just thought they like are that still extremely talented. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there because you brought up, I think we brought up like GP2. So um, yeah, I just think it's a, it's, it's interesting to look at it from there that a team like the Warriors who just had a finals run, they had all the, you know, the money that comes from a successful playoff run and still are making, you know, luxury tax decisions um, that are impacting the talent on their roster. Um, something that the Clippers aren't doing. But I mean, like, you know, I, <laughs> the Clippers <laughs> haven't won a title yet. They have no goodwill. Okay. <laughs> You have to keep the players when you have no goodwill. That's fair. Yeah, I just, you know, uh, my only point. The Caruso stuff still hurts, obviously. It's it just, does uh, hurt. But if yeah. the Lakers had started, you know, 18-2 and two or whatever, like the Warriors did last year, I'm sure we would have been talking about it a lot less. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. 
uh, poor, poor Austin Reeves forever saddled with the expectation of being the next Alex Caruso. Uh, He's on his a, way. Still, it's a, it's a tough bar. Tough bar. I'm not entirely sure how we got onto that subject, but what I really wanted to talk to you about today, Raj, is another ownership thing floating around the NBA, and that is the NBA's punishment of Robert Sarver after a almost year-long investigation into Sarver and the Phoenix Suns organization. Sorry, I should say the Phoenix Suns and Mercury organization mm-hmm. uh, after a report that was filed by Baxter Holmes last year for ESPN detailing all of the toxic work environment and misogyny and um, casual racism and just general terribleness that Robert Sarver has exhibited in his position yeah. as owner of that franchise. Uh, he vehemently denied all of the accusations last November. Yeah. Um, a lot of people stood by him saying, this is not the Robert Sarver I've come to know. Eight months later, 10 months later, whatever, basically everything in that report was corroborated. Just an extensive, extensive investigation has, you know, revealed incidents of him belittling women, um, making it, making them feel unsafe in their own workplace, like making them feel like if they pursued having families, they'd no longer have Mm -hmm. the right careers, uh, just using the N-word like nobody's business, even though he was repeatedly told not to, like a lot of crude sexual jokes and things that like the NBA has apparently explained away as him having a sophomoric sense of humor. Uh, So the NBA, after all of these investigations, after talking with dozens and dozens of people who have worked for Sarver, came to the conclusion that none of his racial and sexist comments were motivated by any animus. So essentially they were saying he's a perfectly fine dude. He just has a weird sense of humor. And that's why he made all these comments. And their punishment for him was a one-year suspension from all NBA and WNBA events and management. He can't be part of those teams for a full year. And he's going to be fined $10 million, which is the maximum allowable by the NBA bylaws. Uh, LeBron James, uh, I think, spoke for yeah. a lot of people in his comments when he tweeted earlier today. I'm just going to read a uh, full tweet. Read through the Sarver stories a few times now. I got to be honest. Our league definitely got this wrong. I don't need to explain why. Y'all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before and I, I'm going to say it again. There is no place in this league for that kind of behavior. I love this league and I deeply respect our leadership, but this isn't right. There is no place for misogyny, sexism, and racism in any workplace. Don't matter if you own the team or play for the team. We hold our league up as an example of our values and this ain't it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Raj, I I don't expect you to like disagree with LeBron here. (laughs) Like, I think it's pretty clear. We all side on, yeah, what Sarver did was pretty terrible. It's, pretty ridiculous that the nba only exerted this amount of punishment on him uh and the press conference that adam silver had in yeah almost a defense of robert sarver earlier today was deplorable really um he basically said that like sarver has taken a reputation hit and you can't measure that in terms of the punishment that's been levied on him um that you know owners like there are different rights for owners than there are for people who work for the uh, teams themselves, which the NBA spokesman Mike Bass had to backtrack later (laughs) today by saying, no, no, everyone is held to the same standard, even though they're clearly not. And to me, it's just so sad to think that like we had the highest hopes for Adam Silver 
because like three months after he became commissioner of the NBA in 2014, yeah, the Sterling the audio leaks, right? Of Vistaviano and Donald Sterling. And he says there is no place for Donald Sterling in our league, right? He's banned from the NBA forever. Yeah. Right? And this is a guy who had literally no legs to stand on, right? He was, he had been the deputy commissioner for a while. Yes. He'd been in the NBA for a very long time, but this was his first major act as commissioner. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take a principal stand and I'm going to say that like this, this dude sucks. Yeah. He really sucks. And our league will be better off for not having him in it. And he had an opportunity to do that again with Robert Sarver and just came so far away from that standard. Uh, Raj, why do you think that happened? Yeah. So I think first off, I think the press conference that he gave, it was more defending his sentence, right? Because obviously a year is absolutely nothing. And the $10 million fine, I mean, talking about before, that's like the MLE and the NBA. I mean, that's like a, that's almost nothing to uh, Robert Sarver. I think, you know, Adam Silver works for the NBA owners. Like, I think that's a thing that people kind of get confused. It's, you know, not the other way around. Um, and I think the Donald Sterling thing, I think they even said it somewhere that like, it was because it was on video and it was on audio, right? But do you remember in November, Baxter Holmes put out that thing in uh, the huge story, right? About all the people who came out, all the interviews that were done, um, and all the people, again, who uh, went off their NDAs and railed to, to speak. And I think the league should be a place where owners, like, that's a position that, you know, you have to earn. Like, you don't, you shouldn't just get that position and keep it for years and years. And Don Sterling obviously had a huge history. Robert Sarver has a huge history. But, yeah, I mean, Adam Silver, he, you know, he talks to the owners. Like, that's who he works for. And that's the reason why this this came out. We had Mark Cuban back when the Sterling thing happened. Uh, even as awful as that was, as the video came out, Mark Cuban still wouldn't go on record and say that Donald Sterling would lose his team. Like, that was insane to think about at the time. And I think it's just great that LeBron stepped up. know everything that Mark Cuban was hiding in the Dallas Mavericks organization, those comments make a lot more sense. Absolutely. The benefit and of hindsight. I, and I bet if you go into a lot of these owners, you know, uh, closets, they probably, there's a lot of probably skeletons hiding there. So um, I, they're trying to protect themselves. There's only 30 owners, right? There's only 30 of them that kind of have this position. Uh, there's a long line of people I'm sure waiting to get on to, to become NBA owners. Like there's no reason to keep terrible people uh, in this position but again Alan Silva doesn't work you know for the players he works for the owners and that's the reason we got this uh this ruling which is you know unfair it's not right in a just world Robert Sarver would have to lose his team um but that's not the world we live in so that's that's why I think this came out it's just so disappointing because of the precedent that I thought Silver had set you know right. for this kind of behavior because even if we don't have the smoking gun of the audio of Robert Sarver mm-hmm. saying something what you had an independent investigation where again dozens of people have confirmed that he said those things kind of people yeah it's the same same action um it's the same behavior you know and maybe Sarver isn't as universally detested as Donald Sterling was which, low bar I mean yeah. I nobody is really uh but again it's in the best interest of the league, I would think, to distance themselves from people like Robert Sarver who carry themselves like Robert Sarver does. When you 
you know, are trying to maintain like better work environments in the NBA. And like, I think about all of the work that Adam Silver is trying to do to update the NBA, right? Like with the play-in yeah. tournament and the mid-season tournament or the in-season tournament, whatever. <laughs> and all of his, like, not tirades because Adam Silver really never gets that upset. Not <laughs> since the Donald Sterling press conference, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but like his comments about like load management and how he's worried about like how people are consuming the league and all this stuff. Like he's very concerned about the business of the league, right? Sure. Don't you think that Robert Sarver like skating through like this is bad for the business of the league? I think so. Absolutely. I mean, this doesn't look great when like everyone disagrees, right? Even like the face of the league, LeBron James coming out and, you know, detesting this so strongly coming out um, on such a strong position on this. It doesn't look great. Um, do you think part of it also like I remember the Donald Sterling thing that was a worldwide story like that was on right that broke on TMZ that was huge that was national wide people who don't even follow sports that was a huge yeah. story this kind of hasn't broken into that seal yet this has been a what year long investigation so it's kind of taken a while um, but yeah this uh, this ruling isn't isn't great do you think like this impacts the ruling do they go back do you think they do anything or this is kind of this is kind of said. Do you think like the backlash, I guess, changes the way that they they go about it? Because we are already seeing comments being pushed back. Do you think yeah. like that they go back and kind of uh, reassess, I guess, their decisions on this? I mean, that's a good question. So I'm I'm gonna read Chris Paul's response too because he mm-hmm. played for Donald Sterling and currently plays for Robert Sarver and is a former president of the National Basketball Players Association. Yeah, uh, he said, "I'm of the view that the sanctions fell short." in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all of the people that were affected. Like many others, I reviewed the report. I was and am horrified and disappointed by what I read. This conduct, especially towards women, is unacceptable and must never be repeated. Uh, For one, I listened to the whole Adam Silver press conference. I feel like Chris Paul mentioned to the people who were affected more than Adam Silver actually did in Mm -hmm. two tweets. And I think he has the right idea. Like, I just feel terribly for all of the people who yeah. were forced to relive these traumatic memories and like were harassed by uh, Robert Sarver and then had to go back and dig through those memories again just for the sake of this investigation. They're basically told like, ah, he's making some bad jokes like that must suck. And yeah. I just feel so badly for everyone who like you and I, we podcast about basketball and this this is so very cool and it's such a great opportunity to be able to do something we love and i'm sure people who work for the phoenix organization were like this is a dream job and like how cool is it that i get to work for the suns or the mercury or just you know in basketball and then to have that happen to work for somebody like that must just shatter all of your dreams um and the fact that we're talking so much more about the dude who perpetrated all of these terrible acts instead of the people who were affected by them sucks Um, but unfortunately it's because he's still around and a lot of those people are former employees and within a year's time robert sarver's me back and i don't know presenting like a a phoenix mercury like championship trophy at some point i don't think the suns are gonna win anytime soon but like the other (laughs) team has a chance it's it's just so weird and it's so unfortunate and zach Lowe brought this up on nba today yesterday where you know a big pressure point for the nba back in 2014 was the fact that there was a lot of talk about a boycott between the Warriors and mm-hmm. the Clippers. And they didn't end up doing that, right? The Clippers just uh, took off their warm-ups, threw them in the center right. of the court. Mm-hmm. And 
I know a lot of people in the intervening years have said that they wish that they would have done more. Like Steph Curry just had an interview in, a, is it Time Magazine? I'm, I'm not sure which. It was a big magazine feature earlier this week where mm-hmm. uh, he's, you know, one of his regrets is that we didn't boycott that game. And I think they're honestly being a little hard on themselves because I, I thought that that statement was powerful because obviously like it resonated with Adam Silver. It resonated Absolutely. to the point where they banned him for life. And unfortunately, like if that's the bar that was set in 2014, they're going to have to do more, right? Like we are mm-hmm. 11 days out from media days. Um, can you imagine that the Phoenix Suns are going to be asked about anything other than this? Right. Like they are going to have to take on the responsibility of condemning Robert Sarver, which is just a terrible position to be in if that guy's your boss. Right. Um, and like it shouldn't fall upon them. Like there are measures in place to ensure accountability for NBA ownership. It just has become clear that those measures are woefully inadequate <laughs> to take care of actual like, malfeasance that's happening around the league. And it just is going to rely on, like you said, it was a big deal with Donald Sterling because TMZ made it a big deal. And TMZ makes everything way more popular than it has any right to be. Absolutely. But like if Chris Paul is talking about it, if Devin Booker is talking about it, if his you know girlfriend is talking about it, it's so unfortunate that it's going to have to fall upon them, the people who are mm-hmm. victims of racism and marginalization, to be the be the people who just have to state the obvious like this is stupid this is terrible that robert sarver is still here when the adults in the room couldn't figure it out what's what's crazy is sabrina they've had time you know what i mean to kind so of much time to do this correctly i mean i'm looking at you know baxter holmes the, he released a story in november 4th 2021 it's september 2022 like they've had a bunch of time um, in there and you know he he has his pin on it Baxter Holmes um, at Baxter has this pin on his uh, Twitter account but he says um, if the commissioner comes in and investigates to see what the F is going on in Phoenix he would be appalled and this is again November of last season a year of this continued right so um, again based on interviews with 70 plus current and former employees throughout his 17 year tenure as owner so that I think that's the saddest part to me is like they've had a year to kind of come up with doing the right thing and this was their response i mean a year where he still gets to make the money still makes all the money from the suns he gets a 10 million dollar slap on the wrist you know what i mean like it's it's absolutely the money part is absolutely nothing to robert sarver and he's going to continue to make money and he just has to watch the games from his television at home so i like it's not really a sentence to me it's not really much uh, and I think Adam Siller re- realizes that now. I mean, I again, I wonder if they kind of go back. He? And, I mean, he should. The response is pretty. I mean, when you have the best players and, and you have the, you know, the leaders of the league, the faces mm-hmm. of the league coming out um, so vehemently against. Um, and I think this is the first time really where he's had this type of backlash on a decision. Right. I think this is the first kind of one for Adam Silver where he's really received real backlash as commissioner. So. Um, I mean, I feel like Adam's Q rating has just been going down for years now. Um, Like he was the enlightened alternative to David Stern when he assumed the commissionership and and kind of just realized like he's just another suit who's trying to protect the owners. Um, And all of the NBA's like progressive talk has just not really been backed up by their actions. Yeah. 
I, I do want to point out that like Adam Silver could not force Donald Sterling to sell the team. He just mm-hmm. banned him from NBA events. Uh, it was Donald Sterling's wife who actually took the step of selling the team right. <clears throat> because she said that Donald's like actions were hurting their business, which duh. Um, <clears throat> and we've seen like there is a banking corporation that Robert Sarver is a part of in Arizona that he just quietly resigned from over the last few months because they didn't want to associate with him after all of these mm-hmm. allegations. And it's crazy to think that a banking corporation whose name I can't think of, because again, it's just a bank had more common sense to disassociate themselves to Robert Sarver than the NBA. And like it's, they're all just protecting their assets, right? Like, we hundred percent. Like you said, you can pull up in the hood and open the closet and you're gonna find so many more terrible things that these owners are doing. I mean, LeBron has already played for one of them before. Uh there is, I believe, an owner of the Detroit Pistons who operates for profit prisons. I don't think that this is like the worst thing happening in the NBA right now, which sucks mm-hmm. because it's so terrible as is. And again, like I, I told you before we started talking about this, like I don't even know really what the point is because obviously we all agree that this is this is just so far short of what the NBA needs to do. They made a mistake. If they're hoping that like public pressure forces Sarver out, good luck. Like Donald yeah. Sterling filed so many lawsuits against the NBA after being pushed out. I mean, a person who has behaved that way for 18 years clearly does not believe in taking, you know, the advice of other people listening to their criticisms. I just hate well, the fact that like in a year he's just going to be back like none of this ever happened. Yeah, people, you know, like Sarver, like Sterling, they don't believe in the consequences of their actions, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think, like I think we were talking about before, being a governor of an NBA team should be a privilege. That's a, you know, that's a, that should be a privileged position that you get to keep, right? And you have to kind of keep that up. And like, I, I believe if you go and do investigations around every single, you know, team in this league, I'm sure you'll find awful horrible stuff and that's the reason why these owners aren't going to band together and you know get it uh and you know get robert sarvard out they didn't do that to donald sterling even though there were years and years of you know awful stuff with sterling oh it God. took just a like video- the housing discrimination in and of itself should have kicked him out of the league which is stuff the nba knew about which mm-hmm. was absolutely public public record <laughs> a public record yes um uh, but you know donald uh, david stern and them turned their head uh, because again, they call it a slippery slope, right? They you you go after one owner, you go after thirty is kind of the uh, the way that a lot of them think. So um, yeah, it's it's awful. And like you said, there's no real like obviously this isn't a right or like wrong thing. It's pretty clear, you know. It's a pretty clear side that you take here. It's just um, it's sad that this is the way it works. And if this is the punishment, I don't think Sarver is learning anything from it. He's also gonna get be able to work with the NBA to appoint um, the interim uh nba owner so like i'm not really sure what you know what's the consequence here of uh of this of this ruling um other than he has to wait a year to go to games like i i don't know any other (laughs) any other real consequence here for him yeah it's it sucks it's it's so sucky and it makes me really mad at the commissioner and makes me not want to listen to anything he has to say about anything it's just so disappointing because what has been done in the past what could have been done here yeah but i i have faith in the players that they'll try to do something yeah i mean it's it sucks to like the the burden is on the players um especially the suns players right who have to mm-hmm. kind of make 
kind of decisions on what they want to do, how they want to, you know, speak about this. I'm sure Monty Williams will speak with the team and kind of um, have a have a message that they'll come out and say, especially with media day coming up, like you said. But um, yeah, it sucks that the burden again is on the players to to do something, just like it was in 2014. It, it's like just that. Like it was later. in 2020 when they had that strike, you know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So um, it sucks that that's kind of the way the league works. Um, but again, I think Adam Silver sees himself as an employee of the owners and that's yep. what he is. So that's why we have uh, this this awful decision. Yep. Let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about something that I don't know, suggests we actually love basketball. <laughs> All right. So, Raj, I've been watching a lot of Eurobasket because mm-hmm. it's it's great. I love I love international basketball. It's so much fun. And I mean, if you've been following me on Twitter, you know that I have been falling in love once again with Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure how it happened because mm-hmm. people, longtime listeners of this podcast will recall that I was against Dennis Schroeder trade when it happened. I was happy to say good riddance to Dennis Schroeder when he left the Lakers at the end of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Yet the basketball has been so bad, Raj, <laughs> that I find myself finding for you know that little little blonde streak to put on the purple and gold again. I mean, we have a ton of guards, but I get it. Like I, I think Dennis Schroeder is probably more talented than most of the guards already on the team. It's funny because like you look back and I think it was Schroeder and then Montrezl Harrell both won six man of the year like in consecutive years. And- Actually, I don't know if they won it in consecutive years, but they finished one and two the year before okay. they joined the Lakers. Okay, then maybe Trez didn't win it, but I think Schroeder did win the No, no, award. Trez won it. Schroeder did it. not. Yeah. Schroeder didn't. Okay. So t- the two like leading six men of the year candidates were Lakers. Um, and then both of their kind of, you know, basketball careers kind of went uh went down after that. But um, yeah, I think, you know, Schroeder's a talented guy. I think he has, you know, he's one of the more talented guards, like just in general. I think he can play. I'm shocked he's not on a team yet. Uh, but yeah, tell me more about um, Schroeder in Eurobasket. Tell me like what what you're seeing. Is it similar to how he was in the Lakers? Is he doing stuff that is his on the ball kind of creation stuff better than he was in the league? Is he more opened up? Tell me I mean, he just it. reminds me of that that 2021 version of himself where he can okay. basically knife his way into the paint like at a moment's notice. You know, no one can mm-hmm. really stay in front of him when it comes to him getting to the basket. This despite the fact that he still can't shoot, right? That one mm. year of three-point shooting that he had in Oklahoma City that convinced the Lakers to sacrifice a first-round pick to bring him in. Completely an aberration. He's shooting about, what, 28% on threes in Europe, taking seven, seven. of them a game, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> that confidence is still there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, despite the fact that he can't shoot, the, the unders are not working on him. He can still get his way to the basket. Still set some mean screens. I've always thought he was okay. a really good screener for a guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and defensively he's Dennis the menace right like that's what he does he still gets into the bodies of opposing players there's this one clip that's been making the rounds of him getting switched on to Rudy Gobert in the paint and him oh yes literally just like bending down at like a 45 degree angle his arm is like on Rudy Gobert's butt basically and all Rudy can do is just throw up this like trash hook behind him because he can't move Dennis he looks like the kind of player who should be the third guard in any rotation, right? Like there's no reason why he can't be a capable ball handler on a contending team. Uh, I've always felt that he could be a third guard in a rotation, not necessarily a starting point guard, but third guard makes perfect sense. And as you know, I continue to wish for the Lakers to make that Buddy Hills, Miles Turner trade that would leave the Lakers without a starting point guard because Patrick Beverly, not really a point guard, not really a ball sure. handler. I would say uh, Kendrick Nunn, 
I don't know what he is. So I don't know. There's just, there's been so much lack of continuity with Lakers. And I realize that this is very much the, oh, Rob only signs players who he formerly represented or played for the Lakers. And ding, 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 both of those would be true for Dennis Schroeder. But I do think that he was really good next to those two guys. I am trying to forget everything that happened after he caught COVID and proudly proclaimed that he didn't want to get vaccinated. I'm trying to forget all of that because basically everything from March on that Laker season was a train wreck, not just for Schroeder, like for everybody. So yeah, this, this is the Dennis. I remember the one that was part of the 21 and six start for the Lakers, like the really good Lakers (laughs) who I think, or sometimes forgotten because of how terribly that season ended. Well, see, he wasn't just part of the 21 and six start. I attribute like we were number one in defense. Last we were year. number one in defense. Yeah. And a lot of that was Dennis Schroeder point of attack defense pressuring guys. I remember like we played um, the Mavericks one, one time with Luca and we put Dennis on Luca and he'd pick him up full mm-hmm. court talking trash, which, you know, to Luca Donches. But... He's been ejected twice in Eurobasket over six games. <laughs> But he moves his feet really well. Like he has long arms, right? He's not tall, but he has a nice wingspan. Like he he can Great knock wingspan. the ball away. Yeah. Um, super competitive as well. And I, I'm like people bring up the 0 for nine, right? In the in the playoffs. They remember the 0 for nine. But let me give you the other box scores, Sabrina. Uh, same playoffs, because I remember going There's back and like a good Dennis Schroeder in there. <laughs> so the 0 for nine, okay, is what it is. He's not our first, our best player, second best player, might not even be our third best player. But the other games, game one, five for seven. Game two, eight for 16. Game three, six for 11. Game four, three for 13, which we won. And he was a plus six in, by the way. We didn't win game four. Oh, wait. Did we not win game four? No, oh, we no, lost sorry. that we game when Anthony Davis sorry. got hurt. But he was, yes, yes, yes. But he was a plus six, which is weird. Uh, oh, no, no. Game four is a minus eight. Sorry. Game <laughs> four, three for 13, minus eight. We lost 80. Okay. Game five was the 0 for 9. And game six wasn't a real game because Devin Booker had like 60 before the tip, like even went off. Um, And he was 6 for 14. But when the series was real, first four games, one, one clunker, and then he had the 0 for 9. I think that shouldn't take away a season's worth of like, this dude competes. He's a good defender. He still, for some reason, could not shoot, which every player who comes here, like... He's a good free-throw shooter at the very least, which if you're going to get to the basket as much as he does, the fact that you can make your free-throws is still a big plus. 100%, and he can attack on switches, on isolations. There was a game, uh, MLK Day, I believe, we played the Warriors, and he absolutely cooked them in, like, the first two quarters, I believe, just getting switches and going by Kevon Looney, who is a really good defender. He couldn't switch on him. Mm-hmm. The jumper, I think, is just slow. Like, I think, like, it's, it's okay. Just, like, he's very passive with it. But, again, as, like, a guard, there's Dennis Schroeder should not be a minimum guard in the league. I think, like, that's... But that's this, what he would be on the Lakers. It would be a great it, value at the minimum. <laughs> 100%. That's what, like, I think it would be a great get if we didn't have, like, 18 guards on the team. So, like, he'd be great. It's just, like, you're... Uh, you're Taxpayer Emily signing was Lonnie Walker. You're getting Kendrick Nunn back, who has looked great, according to Ramona Shelburne and Zach Lowe. Um, Patrick Beverly, who we just traded for. Austin Reeves is going to play some guard. Russell Westbrook is still on the team. Like, I can't bring Dennis Schroeder into that, I guess. Okay, but okay. he's he's done he's done great. His his little kid is wearing a Lakers jersey in the pictures that he just posted on Instagram from Eurobasket. There's like four separate pictures of yes. little baby Schroeder in a Schroeder Jr. number 17 Lakers jersey. He has played for two, seam, two teams since then. I'm sure there are jerseys that the kid has acquired since then that are not Lakers jerseys. 
it's not surprising to me that he's like putting the Lakers jersey on Instagram. Like these things mean sure. something. But sure. to be clear, I am not advocating for the Lakers as currently constructed to sign Dennis Schroeder. Okay. okay? He has backed up Russell Westbrook before. He didn't particularly like it. No, he he is one of the um trickier locker room presences in the league, right? He is a hard guy to sure. get along with. But if a Russell Westbrook trade happens, that's when I think it's Dennis Schroeder time because then you actually do need another point guard because, like I said, I don't know what Kendrick Nunn is at the moment, but I'm even healthy. I'm not sure he's your lead ball handler type of yeah. guy. And Patrick Beverly, I really think of more of three and D wing who happens to be six feet tall. Sure. So you do need another point guard type player. Lonnie Walker, again, not really a point guard. Austin Reeves, not really a point guard. These are more mm-hmm. two threes who with two sides, unfortunately. <laughs> so this is where I'm advocating for the Dennis Schroeder experience is if Russell Westbrook gets traded, I assume you're not bringing back a, a Kyrie Irving in his place. Okay. It's not a point guard who's starting. So you just need to fill some of those minutes in the event of a trade. That's where I would suggest bringing in Schroeder. Kyrie Irving, why would you do that? Why would you? <laughs> Uh no, you're have not we not back. talked about Kyrie Irving on this podcast? Before? Uh no, I'm I'm with you. I like again. I I always said that like I think he was way better than people remember that year because LeBron and AD went down. That year kind of goes in general. Past... I would say that because LeBron and AD went down, that entire season is regarded as some historic failure. Yeah. When when it the Lakers it were really good, they were they up were... on the Suns before Anthony Davis got hurt. Yeah, they were really good. Him and Crusoe were an awesome combination as like a backcourt defense, I remember. And, you know, Vogel would just deploy him on like all of the other team's best ball handlers. He'd do yep. an incredible job, keep us in games that we shouldn't be in. And we, again, just going back, Rob offered him a four-year, 80-something million dollar contract, which kind of shows you the type of season he was having. He declined it, which was a not the right decision. Not the right but, decision <laughs> but, for yeah, any of I'm the with- parties involved. <laughs> But uh, I'm with you, Serena. I'm with it. If Russ is traded and, you know, you don't get any type of ball handling guard back, I'm more than okay with shoot on a minimum deal. I think he gets wrongfully blamed for all the Boston Celtics troubles when they were having, you know, <laughs> locker room issues. Coach uh, Ime Udoka was calling them soft in the middle of the year, in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they started Marcus Smart. They, you know, gave all the ball handling to Jason Tatum. I don't think that's directly correlated to Dennis Schroeder. I mean, he I'm just sure part be, of it is, honestly. Um, maybe, <laughs> but hey. Maybe, Dennis Schroeder acting as an irritant in the Boston Celtics locker room is really just another love letter to the Lakers. Really, another ode <laughs> for him to be on the team. But yeah, like he's been that kind of like guy who believes in himself, and I'm not mad at that. Like him and Patrick Beverly, I think would be a fun, irritating, annoying, good defensive the backcourt. Most annoying backcourt. But yeah, I mean the dude's putting up 20 points and seven assists per game. In Eurobasket, Germany is still alive. They just beat Greece, you know, with, mm-hmm. you know, famously two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo playing for them. Uh, they're in the semifinals. I think they play uh, Spain in the next round. So that's going to mm-hmm. be a, a really interesting matchup. But like, this is a guy who is auditioning for NBA teams, right? Like a lot yeah. of a lot of NBA players take the summers off because it's too hard on their bodies and they don't want to ruin their free agency prospects. He didn't have a contract. He's trying to get his way back in the league. I respect it. We're seeing all of the good and bad with Dennis Schroeder, right? Like, we already went over it. Mm. But yeah, I I can't help myself. I'm a sucker for that, that stupid little six-foot card. 
his numbers like with us was a lot better than I actually even remember. Fifteen and a half points, um, thirty-three and a half from three, which isn't terrible. He just didn't it's not shoot good, but it's yeah. But it's not, you know, what some of our shooters are shooting. It's not what some like, of our shooters are shooting, yes. Almost six assists a game. So this is like our starting level point guard keeping us above water for when our stars come back. Like that's a totally good point guard in this league. It's just all the other stuff where you kind of have to work with him, right? Like like he's playing for a contract after contract. I'm sure that gets annoying. I remember like seeing um on the timeline, like Celtics fans annoyed that Dennis Schroeder would shoot it every time because mm-hmm. like, you know, he would get the ball and just create and take mid-range pull-ups. But, you know, that comes with the territory of a guy who thinks he should be on that level. So I'd have to believe that the Lakers have some goodwill with him because they did offer him the contract. <laughs> right? Yes. Um... That counts for something, right? <laughs> The one that believed, is that what it is? Like the Yeah. We were willing to invest in you, remember? Not anymore, but we were. We were <laughs> we were at one point in time. Yeah. Next week when we reconvene, I do believe we're gonna get into some season preview content, which is crazy yes. to think about. But I believe next week we will be within a month of the start of the regular season. So it's about time to start talking about that. I think these preseason games matter. I know we're a month away from the regular season. Yeah. We're 19 games away from the first preseason game. And I think these preseason games actually matter. So we'll get to get into real basketball pretty soon. Playing the Kings on October 3rd, who I think the Kings are trying to win this year. The Kings I, are I, always trying to win. <laughs> Malik Monk is going to bring it. Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, Sabonis is on the team. Like They have a squad. I don't know how we're going to defend them, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. We'll see how Just put Oscar is on the Lake Monk, and there'll be good television for everyone involved. Oh, uh, that's that's sad. We got that's sad. Well, that I think is all we really should be talking about this week, to be perfectly honest. So, make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. We're talking about the Lakers every day of the week. We're still going every day this off season, and we'll be back next week. Yeah, 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 yeah.